Think about this coming week, if you wouldn't mind. Just whatever your week looks like. Um, the stuff that's coming at you. Just start to picture it, start to think about what might be coming. Particularly the stuff that maybe you're not very prepared for, if you can. Or the stuff you're worried isn't going to happen. Or, or hoping doesn't, doesn't happen, you're worried that it might. Um, perhaps there's some stuff you didn't quite get to last week, or some stuff you've been meaning to get around to, and you're just worried you might get found out for that this week. Or there's just some tricky conversations coming, difficult challenges coming. And um, just start to visualize them. Worst case scenario, maybe. Let that happen, bounce around in your head for a moment. That thing that your boss might just say, that bill that you just hope you don't get, that report that you just might discover. Okay. If you can't think of anything, um, then you're blissfully um, living in a, in a lovely world. Congratulations on that. If you're starting to imagine some stuff that you're worried about, nervous about, concerned about, know you need to get to, what is that likely to do to the prayer we've just prayed? You're probably already half here, half not, thinking about an email you should be sending, aren't you? Actually, the faster Paul could get over with this, or you know, the more interesting he could be because my brain is trying to go here and there. You told me to think about that thing, now I'm thinking about that thing and you're going to struggle to keep my attention. Jesus had something to say about this exact experience you're having. Uh, and it's a text you're going to know immediately. As soon as we put it up here, you're going to recognize it. You might be able to quote a lot of it. And I'm prepared to put money on the fact that not a single one of you have ever obeyed it. In fact, I'm not even sure we have any idea how to obey this. So let's go to Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about this exact experience you're having, thinking about tomorrow, worrying about what might come. And he has got some just ludicrous stuff to say. He says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. If John is tr struggling to keep up with me, don't blame him. The slides are all over the show, um, but you know it. Um, look how the lilies of the fields grow. Uh, and they don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all his glory wasn't dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. There's a whole lot of fascinating stuff in there that we're going to get into. But just out of the first reaction to that, I mean, that does sound hard to live up to. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't stress about what's coming. Just worry about today. Just stay present in today. Don't even care about tomorrow. Many of us are going like, Jesus, maybe when you're you know, hardwired up to heaven and have, you know, sweet prophetic ability and like, maybe for you, Jesus, but that's just madness. How do we, how do you expect us really to live that way? A bunch of you are more prone to action. So you're just like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a doer, I'm a planner, I'm a stresser, I'm a take responsibility. Uh. Others of you maybe aren't so prone to action. You are the slightly more reactive, passive types. 
but you're very good at thinking about, stressing about, wondering about. And I think we all subtly think that the more we worry, the better, actually, because my worry kind of motivates me to action. My worry prepares me for stuff. My worry is what turns up the heat and gets me to do things. Good parents worry about their kids, right? Slack parents don't. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've never heard it put like that and you might already be starting to feel a little uncomfortable with that definition, but we live as though we believe that. The more we worry, the more responsible we are, the better we'll do. In fact, I think on this topic you can probably divide the the more active, proactive types and the more reactive, inactive types uh, along the line of how much they worry. So some of us are quite passive people. If you mix in not worrying with passivity, you get hippie. And none of us want to be a hippie, right? It's like, ah, well, it'll be what it'll be. So they don't stress, they don't plan, they don't do anything. And hippies are actually really nice to be around. But they're dreadful to work with, aren't they? You don't want to build anything with a hippie. Quite nice to hang around for like one day a week. But rely on them, trust them, no thanks. And so we go, okay, well, I don't really want to be that. I don't want to fall into the category of laissez-faire, just letting it happen, not planning for anything. And you've probably got a bunch of proverbs you can quote, and we will quote some later, uh, as to why that would be a bad way to live. Just, eh. So then we add a little worry to that. But if if your default setting is towards passivity, then adding worry doesn't actually change you from a hippie into someone really wise. It changes you, more often than not, into a complainer and a victim. Because those of us, and I would put myself in this category some of the time, who prefer to be a bit reactive, who prefer to be passive, when you add worry, then generally what we do is we're just blaming other stuff for why we're not currently happy. When I have more money, then I will tithe. When I have more time, then I will exercise. But do you know how busy I am? Oh my gosh. And like, you won't believe what my boss asked me the other day. And then my neighbor asked me the other day as well. And well, obviously I had to say yes. And then my mom asked me the other day. And it's like at no point is anyone taking any responsibility. It's just worry, worry. And what if? And what if? When I have a spouse, then I will be happy. When I have an angel at the end of my bed telling me in great detail exactly what I am good at and guaranteed not to fail at, then maybe I will serve in church. Whatever. It's like, if then. When it happens, then I will. Uh, And we moan and complain and blame a lot of the time if we remain passive and just add worry to that. Then there's your more active types and proactive doers. Um, And sometimes we'll find myself in this category as well. Most of you will probably flit around these things. And so this is surely the right person to be. You worry and you do stuff. And this person is quite nice to build with. They're not really nice to be around, are they? There's a lot of flapping. There's a lot going on. They're stressing and doing a lot of stuff to prepare in case of certain eventualities. Often those things don't even happen, and it's like, why are we doing all of this and going to all of this pain? And like, I promise you it's probably not going to turn out that way. Most of the stuff you worry about doesn't happen. And so there's stress, and there's wheel spinning, and there's flapping, and there's a huge amount of movement, but not a lot of motion, right? Or the other way around. A lot of motion, not a lot of movement. A lot of stress. Because here's the thing. Worry actually doesn't automatically turn into good action. Worry is, by definition, an emotion. It's an internal thing that goes on. It's not actually active or productive. In fact, worry, Jesus, remember he said, does it even add a day to your life? The answer to that rhetorical question is, in fact, no, it takes days off your life. You know, discovery and momentum, all these people are sending you this information all the time, right? If you stress too much, you're going to die sooner, and they're going to have to pay more money on your medical aid, which is why they're selfishly quite keen to help you to learn not to stress. Worry 
shortens the length of time you might be with us on this planet. Worry also limits your creativity. You are less likely to have creative, helpful responses to things if you've been worrying about them, which is counterintuitive because you're like, well, but I'm worrying about this stuff because something in me thinks that the more I worry about it, the more prepared I'll be for it. No, the worse you will do if it actually happens. So what should we be doing? We don't want to be the hippie. We don't want to be stressing and, and wheel spinning and flapping about stuff that's potentially not going to happen. And even if it does happen, then all my stress has actually just made a toxic cocktail inside my head, which means I won't react in confident, creative ways. So what should we do? One of those proverbs that I promised you that all the stresses uh, would like to throw at me would be Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And none of us in the Upper Highway area want to be called a simpleton, do we? We are committed to being known as responsible. Don't, don't catch me with a pads down. Like that, we don't do that up here. Um, and oh, I'm just thinking of all these jokes I mustn't make. Um, and now so are you. So the, um, there's, there's clearly a, a hippie, laissez-faire, not planning, not being responsible thing that we all want to avoid. And Proverbs seems to say, no, seeing danger coming and planning for it is a good thing. So does that contradict what Jesus is saying when he says, don't worry about tomorrow? We're starting to get to the nub of it here. Planning and worrying are not the same thing, are they? You know this. Planning is activity. Planning is, I'm going to schedule two hours tomorrow. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to look at my finances. I'm going to figure out what's coming off that I can't control. What's coming off that maybe I could control if I put a bit of thought into it. What's disposable? Okay, of that disposable, what needs to happen? What doesn't need to happen? So what am I going to spend each week? What little bit of cash am I going to draw for myself each day that that's all I'm allowed to spend? Like now I've made a plan. That's planning. Worrying is the thing that all of us do 24 hours a day, isn't it? Oh, well, if, oh, but, oh, goodness, I really ought to. And does nothing, produces nothing. It's not an action. It's some ruminating emotion that just poisons you. Planning and worrying are not the same thing, are they? And so this proverb is not saying you should worry about tomorrow. This proverb is saying planning for tomorrow makes sense. In fact, there's still a way that planning for tomorrow can be a faith-filled activity. But worrying has no faith in it at all. Worrying is both an emotionally toxic experience, but it also erodes faith. Because if we go back to Matthew 6, Jesus was saying, you have so little faith. The unbelievers stress about this. That kind of worry dominates the people who don't believe. But you do. You do believe in a Father who loves you and cares for you. So before we go any further into anything practical, I want to make one really big point that this all has to hinge on. Uh, and Jesus was saying it in that passage, but let's just go somewhere else to get it most clearly and succinctly summarized. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. The things God cares about should change the things you care about, because you are the thing God cares about. Which means the stuff that you care about, the stuff that you're worrying about, the stuff that you're freaking out about and stressing about, gets to change totally. You get to give your worries to Him. And at the root of every single worry and stress is the question, can I really trust God in this area? Isn't it? The thing that you're stressing about, will I have enough? Will I be found out? Will I be liked? Will I be accepted? Will I succeed? At the root of all of that is, is God really good enough? Can I really trust Him in that area? And many of us then answer that question well, if I had faith, 
then I'll definitely, I'll definitely succeed. I'll definitely be okay. I'll definitely win. They'll definitely like me. We think that that's faith. Often that's just blind, rah-rah optimism. Let me just suggest another way of working with faith in this area. Instead of trusting that the best will happen, believing that the best must happen, right? This is what we do. Positive psychology, rah-rah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Hey, it'll be fine. I've checked. I know. It'll be fine. No, you don't. What about this? Imagine the worst case scenario. Properly, actually engage your brain in it. We never do this. We're so scared to do this. It's like we've been told this would somehow damage us permanently if we were to do this. Just imagine the worst case scenario. Play it out. Properly, engage your brain. Because chances are, it doesn't actually look like you'll be sleeping under a bridge next week with everyone driving past and flipping you the bird. I know you're like, when you're just worrying, you think that's the worst case scenario. It's probably not the worst case scenario. So play it out. What's the worst that could possibly happen here? Knowing it probably won't. But once you've really exposed the worst case scenario, you've disarmed it a little bit, haven't you? You've brought it into the light. Okay, now I know what you are, what I'm so afraid of. Now let me take this to God, who cares about me, apparently. I'm going to take my worries to God, who cares about me, and say, even if this were to happen, God, are you still enough? Could you still keep me in that moment? That is such a liberating experience, because you'll discover when you really do that and you go to your father, that on the one hand, that's probably not going to happen. But even if it did, you would find 100% of the time that he is still enough. He does still care about you. This last week... And there's no way to undersay this, and I'm nervous to sound glib about something that was massive and intense, but I mentioned last Sunday, we had to do a memorial this last week for a little baby who died in our church. People I love, a situation I hate, brutal, painful, awful. That is the worst case scenario for most of us. That funeral, everything around that moment and that loss is as dreadful as a thing can be. And yet even in that moment, you know what was most amazing? God was here totally in our midst, already starting to heal. The stuff he's doing in that family is miraculous. And there's all sorts of questions and whys and wherefores, but one thing you absolutely know is that he cares. The cross proves one thing, he cares. Take your worries to your father. He cares about you. He's thinking about you. He's interested in you. Even worst case scenario, which nine times out of ten won't happen. Take that to God and let him start to talk to you about how even if that were to happen, he would still be enough. He could still hold you together in that moment. And suddenly, that worry sort of niggle in the back of your mind that just causes the spinning wheels of stress gets a little bit disarmed. Oh, you have little faith. This stuff dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But you have a father who loves you. And really, nothing should dominate your thoughts, should it? We started this whole series saying there are four types of ground. The seed gets sown in the four types of ground, uh, which is to say God speaks to us all. And if the cares of this world choke it out, if the stresses and strains of life and the false promises of riches choke out what God is trying to do inside you, you won't be fruitful. But if you can just take control of your mind and clear the way and weed out some of this stuff, then massive fruitfulness is possible because your imagination is your biggest curse as well as your biggest gift, isn't it? Our ability to imagine if, then, maybe, that would be great can sometimes cause us so much trouble. So let's get a little practical about your imagination. Right? I have a friend who comes to this church every now and then. Uh, about twice a year is good enough for him. Uh, and so that's great. And um, he, he has told me at one point long ago, he may not remember this, that his sort of plan, his dream, his goal, you know, he had this 
this goal. Uh, and everything he was doing is working towards this goal. I was like, Flip, that sounds quite impressive. Um, yeah, I know his, all his business decisions, all of his... He was really working hard with single-minded focus towards this one goal. It's like, bro, well, what is it? This sounds amazing. It's like, I want to own a green Lamborghini. It's like, green was my main concern. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, but Lamborghini as well. Uh, not just because, to me, there's Porsches and all sorts of other better things, but also, like, really? Is that it? Is that the biggest point? And we sometimes get a bit moralistic about, oh, you know, it shouldn't be about material things. But we will probably be doing... We'll have some other green Lamborghini. You'll have something in your mind. If I could just get a godly man, if such a thing exists in Cliff, you know, if I could just get whatever... And some of your big goals, some of your green Lamborghinis might actually be quite self-sacrificing, quite impressive. Um, maybe you don't want a green Lamborghini. Maybe you want a green city golf to give to someone else. People give cars away in this church quite often, actually. It's a really cool thing. Just last week, it happened again. Um, Sia, who was playing drums, who was our youth leader and kids' church pastor, got given a car. It's just so awesome that this sort of thing happens. Um, and... I'm so stoked for him because he was actually just starting to obey God about moving up to Kloof away from his homies and his mates and his network down in Florida Road, and he didn't have a car. He wasn't going to be able to pull that off. And God has provided. Like, yeah, hey, God, this is what happens in our church. Now, your goal, your green Lamborghini might be, well, one day I'd love to be able to give someone a car. And it just sits there and floats. See, I'm starting to be a bit suspicious about goals, actually. I'm not so sure that goals about destinations are that helpful for you. Goals about outcomes. I'm not so sure they do you much good. And some of you are quite goal-oriented people, so you're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? But when you put getting married, for example, and finding the spouse out there as the goal, this outcome, this destination, well, do you know how much has to go right that you can't control? You've got to find someone that you like and then get to know them and still like them. That in itself. <laughs> then you have to trick them into liking you back and maintain the illusion long enough that they then get so used to you that now they love you. And then you have to meet each other's parents, and that usually kills it. But if you can get through that moment, then at some point you're going to have to let your parents meet each other, and they're not going to speak the same language. They're not going to understand each other at all. And if you can still keep it going and corral everyone into a wedding, then you've got to pull off a wedding, which costs basically a green Lamborghini these days, and get through that moment. And then you've had a day, which is a wedding. Now you've got to somehow do a marriage, which requires two selfish fallen people to love each other like Christ loves the church. Like, oh my goodness. So little of that you can actually control. So does the goal, I want to find this kind of person. I want to do this thing. I want to find my gifts and callings and be in my sweet spot. And when I have a boss who believes in me, then I'll give my very best. And it's not. Destinations really just highlight the difference between where you want to be and where you currently are. And create angst and create fear and stress and worry. Even if the goal is quite a noble one, they still create worry. So here's a big idea, right? If Proverbs is saying we do need to make plans, but Jesus is saying, don't worry about the future. Then here are the kind of goals, as I put those two things together, that I think make the most sense. Start planning about where you want to be. Start planning about who you want to be. Start planning about tomorrow and the next day and 10 years from there and the destination. But start thinking, in every given day, how do I actually want to behave? What kinds of things do I actually want to do? You may not be able to pull off 
getting married by yourself, but you can pull off figuring out how to be content and love yourself and turn possibly into the kind of person that that dream guy or girl would fall in love with if they were to meet you. Like, that's something you can control, right? You might not have a car to give away tomorrow, but you can start exercising that generosity muscle tomorrow and go, well, every day I'm going to give away something, even if it's time, even if it's random, and also I'm going to start putting away a grand a month or a couple hundred bucks a week because I want to get to the point where I have a little nest egg where I can then go, okay, God, what do you want to do with this money? You get to make daily plans, don't you? You get to plan about the posture and direction of your life. You don't get to plan destinations. So stop talking about the destinations. Talk about the direction. Stop talking about the outcome. Start talking about the behaviors and postures, the person you want to be, not the place you want to get to. That's something that you can control. That's something you can plan for. So it's like, well, I need to be 10 kgs lighter. Okay, let's zoom in. In any given day, or how many days a week do you want to burn more calories than you consume? Cool, figure out a plan, make that plan with God, and then every day you wake up and go, okay, I'm going to worry about today and live out the plan for today, and then I'm going to go to sleep and praise God for the fact that his mercies are new every morning, which means even if I missed it, it's okay. And tomorrow I wake up and go, okay, God, I've got enough faith for today. What are we going to do today? And that's not to say you didn't plan at some point. You sat down with God and you said, okay, here's the thing that I'm figuring out, whether it's my finances or my relationships or whatever. And you put a plan in place with him. But that was activity. That wasn't just emotion and stress. And now that the plan exists, you get to wake up each day and go, okay, God, I've got enough faith for today. And here's the amazing thing that Jesus finishes it all with. And that is he says that, don't worry about tomorrow because every day has enough trouble of its own. I'm struggling to find the exact spot. You remember it, right? That... Every day has enough trouble of its own, so don't worry about tomorrow. Here's this amazing idea. God has given you some troubles for today. That is so great. The alternative is there's nothing for you to do. There's no difference you can make. How boring. He's given you some problems to have. And we sometimes get to pick and choose and go, well, I'm not actually going to sign up for the problems that I could choose to have. I'm going to choose to have all these other problems instead. Get better problems. Get better troubles. Okay, God, what are the things that you're calling me to actually struggle against, change in myself, change in my world? And what everyday behaviors would it take for me to do that? Not what's the final goal. When South Africa is perfect, then I will honor my leaders. No, I'm going to honor my leaders tomorrow, and I'm going to sign up to join the CPF and go to that meeting next week, and then I'm going to vote, and I'm going to pray. There's some stuff that I can do, and so I'm going to do those specific things. Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit. Mere talk leads to poverty. So the antidote to worry is not hippie. The antidote to worry is sitting down with your father and planning. But there's got to be a whole lot of faith in this, hasn't there? You know, all through that initial Matthew 6 as we were reading it, God was saying, Jesus was saying, unbelievers are dominated by this stuff, but you have a father who loves you. Why do you have so little faith? So as I sit down to plan with God, as I look at my finances, for example, as I look at my health, as I look at my relationships, as I look at my business, whatever it is that you sit down to make your plan with God about, surely we're putting a huge dose of faith into that. And so we're going, well, this is what I can do. Here's what only God can do. That sounds like a cool plan. If the plan that you come up with with your father is totally doable alone, hmm, have a better plan. Here's another way to say that. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. This is where we'll go last. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. 
I want to start talking to someone slightly different at this point. Up till now, uh, the stressor and the wheel spinner and the, that toxic cocktail of whatever, what is the hormone that stress causes in us? Anyway, that one. Um, I heard a lot of so yeah, um, whatever the mumble was. Cortisol. Cortisol. Um, so, so worry that does that negative thing, of course. We're talking about just cutting that out altogether. But some of you are quite good at the practical stuff we've been talking about in this series. Maybe as a result of this series, if I was to you know, really be optimistic, maybe now you've become really good at this because of this excellent preaching series. And um, you're good at prioritizing now. And you've worked out, I only have so many cares to give, so I'm going to give cares to the really important things. And you've worked out that you are your own worst critic, and so you've turned down the internal voice, and you've learned how to negotiate with it. And, and perhaps you've added some scripture to that, and you've gone, God loves me so I can be more secure. And maybe you're going to, at the end of this, go, great, I'm going to zoom in my planning to planning behaviors for every day as opposed to planning outcomes that I can't really control. Excellent, all of that stuff. And you've got some gifts inside you. And maybe if you're honest, and generally you're quite humble and you don't like to talk about this, but you kind of know there's some stuff you're kick-ass at doing. And if I invest some of this, it generally produces good results. If I do this thing, people tend to appreciate it. If I do that, it tends to bring order where there's chaos. You're quite good at adulting. There is a possibility that you could take all those skills and set some paths for yourself that... I don't know, six, maybe seven times out of ten produce good results. Your Father in Heaven is saying, I have a better way. Don't take the gifts I gave you, the strengths I gave you, the skills I gave you, and use those very gifts and those very skills to replace me. Use those gifts to serve me. Here's what I'm trying to say. You can take the things that God has given you, which you are to steward and go, okay, Lord, yeah, I could do this that will make people like me. I could do this that will make me some money. I could do this that will give me some peace. All sounds very good, but I'm offering them back to you, Father. I'm going to seek first the kingdom and trust that everything else will be added unto me. I'm going to take the stuff that you've given me and I'm going to use it to serve you. I'm not going to use it to replace you because you have enough of the image of God inside you still, regardless of how many mistakes you've made. You have enough of the fingerprints of the image of God in you that you can get life relatively right. And if you take scriptural principles and practices and apply them in a dead way, they work. God designed this world. He knows how it works. So you can use the principles from scripture to kind of get it most of the time okay. Sow and reap, forgive, great. And you can get a 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 life. But your father, who wants you to trust him, says, don't lean on your own understanding. Even this wonderful stuff that your incredible pastor has taught you. It's a big joke. If you're listening on the podcast, you can't see how self-deprecating my face is right now. Um, No, instead, take these skills that you have and offer them back to God, not to replace him with those skills, but to serve him with those skills, to serve him with those gifts, to say, Lord, what are you calling me to do with this stuff that actually might seem very irresponsible? What are you causing me to prioritize that probably shouldn't be a priority? Left to my own devices, I wouldn't prioritize that. Left to my own devices, I would avoid that struggle, but you're calling me to go into that struggle. I would avoid that challenge, but you're calling me into that challenge because you know it'll change something in me. I would pick a different battle where I'm more likely to win, but you're telling me to pick that battle because I'm the one that you've ordained to fight that fight. I could probably do a better job of picking people to be friends with who are more likely to be aligned with me, but you're calling me to love on that person, even though I know we're going to fight with one another and we're wired very differently, but you're calling me to do that. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to ask you to guide my paths. 
because he sees what you could never see. And he wants to live you, you to live a life that you could never live and have ripple effects out from your life that you will never produce alone and have meaning and fruitfulness, real fruitfulness, as you not only weed out the cares of this world and be responsible, but then you take those skills and gifts to God and say, direct my paths, please, Father, I trust you. And that's the 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 thing we're aiming at. And in light of that kind of plan, you get to go, okay, so who do I get to be every day? What sorts of behaviors should I put into my life as opposed to what destinations should I aim at? It's not about the goals. It's about the getting there. It's about the kind of person you're going to be on the way. And that's what I'm trusting resounds in our minds as this series ends. That there's some stuff that your life has to care about. Your beautiful, one-of-a-kind, unique life with your incredible gifts that you have and your fascinating story and all the baggage you bring and all the scars you still bear. And there are some problems in this world and there are some people in this world that need loving and there are some systems in this world that need changing and there's some gold that needs revealing and you are the one who's going to do it. So take all of this stuff and offer it to God and say, how can I be led by you? What else would we want to do? I'm going to pray very quickly um, for something specific. So before you close your eyes, let me sell you on what we're going to pray about so that you can then really pray with me. Um, but there's some, there's some worries, there's some future things that we're either trying to get to or trying to avoid. And maybe you haven't even fully voiced it, but there's a thing that you're just terrified of, and in the back of your mind, it's like, I've got to avoid that at all costs. Or there's something that's what we would call an idol that you're longing for, that you may not have admitted it to yourself, but if I can't have that, I can't be happy. And I'm just going to pray that God reveals that to you so that you can then give it to him and trust that he cares about you. And then you can start to live in the day that you're actually living as opposed to never being here because you're always somewhere else. That's what we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, would you please reach into our lives, reach into our hearts, reach into the very fiber of who we are. And with the word of God, would you separate from right into the insides of us like a, like a surgeon with a scalpel will you cut right in and expose what's going on inside our hearts to us we're so often unaware of what we love too much what we don't love enough what we're scared of what we're avoiding we just we just expose to us what it is that's actually driving so much of our behavior so much of our goal setting show us what we're chasing after and show us what we're running away from and then would you help us figure out how to give that stuff to you and hear from you who it is that you want us to be how it is that you want us to live not where we're supposed to get to or what we're supposed to try to attain one day how do you want us to live now how do you want us to love and forgive and choose and long for you and steward the grace in our lives what are the daily things that you're calling us to do and as you remove the stress and worry and as you remove the longing for the wrong things out would you give us a huge amount of joy for the kinds of days that we can live each day in your presence with new mercies every day thank you holy spirit that we can trust you to do that amen 
Next week, we are going back to the But God idea. It's version two of that series. Um, And so we're just going to be telling awesome stories about where God has done amazing stuff.